0: You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, Lighthouse. where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy Veteran and your host, Peter Serafine. Welcome back to
1: the Liberty Lighthouse for Friday, May 1st, 2020. There's been a whole lot of nothing in the news lately, except for COVID-19 Wuhan flu stuff. And I have to say, there's a little bit about the handling of the COVID Wuhan flu stuff that's really gotten under my skin. Things that I really want to talk about. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Also had a, a well, a little bit of a Second Amendment scare. Uh, here in my home state of Pennsylvania, probably touch on that just a little bit. And then in the second segment, I've got a, a guest, Mr. Adam Yamtov, co-director of Fair Tax New York State, come to, uh, to, well, to explain the Fair Tax program a little better than I did last week. So without any further ado, let's get started.
0: Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse. With your Liberty Lighthouse keeper. Your beacon of common sense. Your wiki, if you will. Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation by calling 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. And sign up to be a member at liberty-lighthouse.com. That's right, call
1: or text. 64 my rights, questions, comments, and concerns for the Liberty Lighthouse, call or text. I appreciate them both. So let's get started with uh, a little bit of Wuhan flu garbage. So you all know I'm a mailman. And as a mailman, I'm considered one of those essential employees. So I haven't lost a dime, haven't lost a minute of work. As a matter of fact, I'm actually working a little harder because so many people are home, they're all uh, spending their their money whether it's the stimulus check or whatever. They're spending their money and ordering online. I don't know if it's out of boredom or what, but my parcels, my the number of packages I have to deliver, it's been at like Christmas time volume for the last couple of weeks. So anyway, so I'm still working and I have to say that I've, I've never been more thankful to be a mailman. Uh, normally, I just absolutely hate being a mailman because the job really is terrible. Pay and benefits are great, but the job is the job sucks. But during this this uh, crisis time, I'm, I'm happy to have that job. Now, I understand that we're now over 30 million people that have filed for unemployment since this Wuhan flu crap started. And th- I, I really do feel for them. I have been unemployed. I have been so broke that I didn't have a place to hang my hat, so to speak. So I, I, my heart goes out to all those that are out of work seriously genuine, genuinely really feel for you. I'm very happy that our government did something to uh, shore up the unemployment insurance program. I really think it was it was only right. The government was the one that put you all out of work and the government needs to compensate you for that. but I have to say, I don't think they did it the best way possible. me personally, I think that the uninsurance program should have been raised to, you know, 100% of what your wage is, give you your full paycheck that you were getting while you were working. The $600 a week bonus thing that's being added to the unemployment doesn't make any sense, well, to anybody. Depending on how much money you were making and how much you are now drawing on unemployment, that $600, I don't know, bonus might actually make it so that you're making more money while you're quarantined in your house without a job than you were making when you were working. And that's just wrong. I'm, you know, happy for you for getting it. I appreciate, I'm sure you appreciate it and that that's good, but it's, it's wrong in that, you know, that's taxpayer money. Why are you making more money now that you're not working, making the same money? Well, that would have made perfect sense. I honestly can't think of a reason why this was done the way it was done. I can't make any logical sense out of that portion of the stimulus bill why they would just give the uh, the six dollars, $600 a week on top of unemployment benefits. It, it just seems like a stupid way of doing things. So now we've got all these people that are making more money sitting at home than they were working. How anxious do you think those people are to get back to work? And that's where my one theory does come in. Maybe that was the point. Maybe this was done so that, you know, companies raise their minimum wages. Maybe it was done this way just to try to create the uh, the, the socialist nanny state where, you know, everybody gets money. I've heard politicians talk about raising the minimum wage as a result of this. I've also heard politicians talk about the possibility of uh what what is it called the uh, the guaranteed wage, the guaranteed minimum wage, and that's, you know, one step closer to socialism. I uh, talked a few months ago here at the Liberty Lighthouse about the communist manifesto and the 10 enumerated steps of instituting socialism. And, uh, well, a progressive income tax was one of those steps, and we are certainly well down that road. And having this guaranteed government wage that has been suggested is just one more step closer to all-out socialism here in America. You all know my thoughts on that subject. Socialism bad. It's pretty simple. Socialism has never worked anywhere for more than a couple of generations. So why do we keep trying it? all over the world. And why do people, people keep thinking that their version is going to work better than, you know, all of the other versions that have been tried. So anyway, back to the uh, original point, we've got a whole bunch of people that are out of work and making more money by being out of work, which doesn't make any sense to anybody that I can find. And then you've got all of the people like myself that are still working that are still making the same thing we were making before this whole crisis. Of course, you know, we got our $1,200 stimulus check, but my wage hasn't changed. How much money I'm taking home week to week and paycheck to paycheck didn't go up like some of these people that are now unemployed, laid off, furloughed, whatever you want to call them. Not that I personally am complaining, but I can certainly see how the so-called essential employees might not feel so essential when their neighbor is now making more money sitting on the porch drinking scotch. And that kind of illustrates the problem with socialism. More how we're going to get socialism in this country, there are now politicians talking about free college for the essential workers or the frontline workers. Free college. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many times we have to say this There is no such thing as free. Free just means paid for by the taxpayers. I'm a taxpayer. Therefore, every time somebody in the government says free, they're sticking their hand in my wallet. That kind of brings me back around to something that we talked about briefly last week. It's crisis time. Our government is spending trillions of dollars, all while we're already tens of trillions of dollars in debt. Why are we still spending money on anything that is not essential? I don't understand that. I can't believe that all throughout Congress, we had all of these now fourth round stimulus bills And nowhere in there has anybody even talked about cutting spending. Our politicians keep trying to add more pork to every bill, more earmarks, more money for their favorite little pet project political agenda crap. Nobody has said, hey, maybe we should stop spending on X, Y, and Z until after we get through this. That that seems to me like, like that would be the common sense thing to do, right? Like if this was your household and all of a sudden you didn't have money coming in or you had far less money coming in, wouldn't the first thing that you do would be to cut spending? Isn't that how life works? It's not how it works in government. It's not how it works in our Congress. Our Congress never cut spending. They never even consider cutting spending. When President Trump put forth the new tax plan that was going to cut the revenue going into the federal government, Congress screamed that it would bankrupt us, rather than Congress, who controls the purse strings, looking at, well, how can we cut our spending to make it match this new tax plan? That's how it's supposed to work. But our Congress doesn't do that anymore. Our Congress doesn't even try to make it work. Our Congress just wants to spend and spend and spend. And we, the people, apparently don't pay enough attention to do what it takes to stop them, to vote them out and vote somebody in who will pay attention to what we want. Okay. I think that's enough of that for right now. Uh, I'm going to switch gears. Let's, let's briefly discuss uh, something else that is going on in the background all over our country while we're distracted by COVID-19, and that's gun control. All over our wonderful nation, states and governors are trying to push their gun control agenda while we're all distracted. So let's talk about just one of them. going to talk about the one here in my home state. But just last week, the Liberty Lighthouse picked up a sponsor for all things Second Amendment. This Second Amendment moment is brought to you by Hunter's Warehouse at 130 West High Street in downtown Belfont, Pennsylvania. When the government was closing businesses, Hunter's Warehouse was open. When ammunition was out of stock everywhere, including online, Hunter's Warehouse had it. With thousands of firearms and truckloads of ammunition in stock. No wonder people drive for hours to visit Hunter's Warehouse. Go to hunterswarehouse.net for all of your Second Amendment needs. And that's not just a sponsor. That That's the uh, the gun shop right down the street from me. I have purchased uh, two revolvers from Tom at the Hunter's Warehouse, and he is going to help me restore my World War I uh, rifle that we just inherited. So... That's pretty awesome, too. Uh, he really does have just about anything, and, if he, and he's got the best warranty I've ever seen anywhere. So if you are within driving distance, go see Tom at Hunter's Warehouse. If you're not within driving distance, check him out at hunterswarehouse.net. So what I want to talk about here is Pennsylvania House Bill 2344. It was introduced on uh, March 10th, so corona was well underway. Uh, Lockdown started just a couple of days after this bill was introduced, and this bill was real quickly going through committees. And then, uh, as of today, it looks like it the uh, the sponsor has withdrawn the bill, and that's a good thing. This bill was uh, was bad in that it treated ammunition with all of the same rules as firearms, so it went through the the uh, Crimes and Offenses part of of, uh, Title 18. And every place it said, you know, you need to go to an FFL to transfer this or that. I don't know. It just added and ammunition all over the place where it said blah, 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 firearm, and then it would say and ammunition. So they were putting uh, the same restrictions on ammunitions that they have on guns, and they were adding a permit process where in order to buy ammunition you had to buy a permit from the state for $50 and then every transaction involving ammunition had a $3 tax associated to it now it's an end run it's it was obviously an end run they realized they can't take your guns so let's take your ammunition because guns are useless without ammunition. It was pretty simple. It was pretty blatantly obvious, too. And hopefully, that's why they withdrew it. But I want to talk about one particular provision in this because I've seen it in a lot of bills in a lot of different states, and that is a tax on ammunition. You know, I think that taxing ammunition, uh, well, I, I think it violates the Second Amendment. And hear, hear me out for a second. Let me explain why. The United States Constitution and the Supreme Court has repeatedly said that taxing uh, a poll tax, taxing the right to vote, is illegal. So in that particular instance, taxing the constitutional right to cast a ballot, or what was known as a poll tax, has been outlawed. It's illegal, unconstitutional, can't be done. So voting is a constitutional right. Owning firearms is a constitutional right. So wouldn't taxing ammunition violate the spirit of the law just like the poll tax? That's my opinion anyway, and I'm sticking to it. I was very happy today when someone pointed out to me that the sponsor of this bill has withdrawn, therefore the bill should just die, and that's good. Next week will be our regular monthly Second Amendment episode where we talk about gun laws from all over the country, but this one caught my eye because it's in Pennsylvania. I thought I'd mention it, and I wanted to get a spot in there for the Hunter's Warehouse. Okay, so changing gears one more time to the third and hopefully final topic of of today's episode of Liberty Lighthouse Taxation. I want to talk about some things, some some of the serious fundamental flaws with the current tax system here in the United States. And then the second segment, we're going to talk to Adam Yumtov, the co-director of Fair Tax New York State, and he's going to explain why the fair tax is a much, much better solution. Let's start with what's wrong with with income tax, and what's wrong specifically with our income tax. We've talked about some of these things before. I know I've mentioned that it's a 4,000-page tax code that nobody can possibly understand by design, with 6,000 more pages of explanatory notes, and then even you know hundreds and thousands more pages of case law. So, you really can't understand it. It just can't be done. And our government doesn't want you to understand it because our government uses those you know, four thousand pages of, of tax law to to uh, steer business and steer money the way they wanna steer it. They use the tax credit process to reward industries that they, the government, deems worthy of reward, and they use it to reward their lobby groups. Lobbyists come to Congress, and they make our Congress people rich, and those Congress people have to do something to reward those groups. So the tax credit process is a good example. Remember the tax credits for you know, installing energy-efficient windows in your house? Well, energy-efficient windows are a good idea. And if you can afford to install energy-efficient windows, they eventually pay for themselves in energy savings. Why is there a tax credit for that? Or solar panels, the same thing. You get an income tax credit for installing solar panels on your home or in your business. Again, they should pay for themselves themselves. There should not need to be a tax credit. As a matter of fact, what do either of those things have to do with income tax? Why are they mentioned in the tax code at all? Then, of course, you've got all of the ways to hide income so that you don't pay taxes on it. All of those hidden in that 4,000 pages of tax law. And then some of them aren't hidden. Some of them are obvious. I remember, I think this one was removed, but you used to be able to to, uh, deduct gambling winnings, I'm sorry, gambling losses up to the amount of gambling winnings. Well, it didn't take people long to realize that when they won enough money in the lotto or at a casino that they had to claim it in their taxes. They started saving up, scratched off lottery tickets and losing lottery tickets. And they weren't, they weren't necessarily saving their own. Sometimes they picked them up out of the trash or out of the parking lot just so that they could claim it as a loss on their taxes. Another thing that bothers me about the income tax, I already said it bothers me that as a concept at all, that why is the government getting a portion of my money before I even get my paycheck? Instituting a a progressive income tax, which is exactly what we have in our country, is also part of the Communist Manifesto, one of the steps for communist takeover spelled out by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engel in the Communist Manifesto. So why on earth did America just embrace it with such open arms and continuously make it even more and more progressive? Why does income tax punish those who earn more money? If if you earn more money, you pay a higher percent. That punishes success. Well, why be successful? I know I've I've told this story before, but I remember when I was making $10 an hour or less and I realized that if I worked too much overtime, I jumped too many tax brackets, and I didn't make as much money as I thought I should anymore. So I stopped working so much overtime, which means I made less money, but so did the government. Our federal tax system is supposed to fund the government. That is its purpose. And it does just about everything but fund the government. It has so many loopholes and so many flaws, and it's used for so much manipulation. It's just a bad idea. It should never have been allowed to be instituted in the first place. So I mentioned last week, uh, fairtax.org, and here in a few minutes, we're going to have Adam Yamtoff on. And Adam and I talked about uh, the fair tax, and it's been around for quite a while. Adam's been involved with a fair tax since 1996, and we're trying, or they're there trying to eliminate federal income tax, eliminate estate tax, eliminate corporate income tax, and there's something else I need to explain before we go on. You and I, the end consumers, are the only people who really pay any kind of tax. Corporations, businesses pass their cost of tax on in the cost of the good that they sell. So let's say, for example, that there is a shoe company that makes a shoe and it costs them $10 to make and their corporate income tax is 23%. So that means that it costs them uh, $12.30 to make. So they sell it to you know, some warehouse distributor people who then sells it to your local retail outlet. Each one of those companies had to pay 23% tax on their corporate income. So what you end up with is that $10 pair of shoes has $8.60 worth of tax on it by the time it gets to you and I, the consumer. And that's if there's only three steps in the distribution process. Well, taxes plan, FairTax.org, part of their plan is to eliminate corporate income tax. And a lot of people think that that's going to help the big companies. But the fact of the matter is eliminating corporate tax will help you and I, the consumer, because those big companies don't really pay that tax. They pass it on to us in the cost of their goods and services. So it's about break time. When we come back from break, we're going to jump right into this phone call that I had yesterday with Adam Yontov, co-director of Fair Tax New York State, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about the Fair Tax Organization, their goals, and how the Fair Tax process would be so much better for you and I, the American citizens. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. A
1: little over a year ago, I got so frustrated with Progressive Society that I wrote a short book called Progress. Really? You can buy my book on Amazon for $5.99 in the paperback form, $0.99 cents in an ebook, or Go to liberty-lighthouse.com, sign up to be a member, and download it from the file shares page for free. Progress, really, just questions. At what point is progress not really progress anymore? Let me tell you why I chose Anchor to host my podcast. First, it's free. It's one of the few hosts I found that really is free. They have all the tools that you need. You can make your podcast on a computer. Or you can download their free app and make edits and uploads straight from your phone. So, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, I say download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.
0: You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Liberty Lighthouse. Joining us, as promised, is Adam Yamtov co-director of Fair Fa- Fair Tax New York State. Welcome, Adam. Hey, good afternoon, Peter. I had a couple of questions for you about the whole fair tax process, but before I start asking my questions, can you give the listeners uh, just a high-level overview of what fair tax is?
2: Yes, I can. So thank you so much for having me on the show here. Um, I am the New York State Volunteer Co-Director. Um, uh, I let, let's talk about the people first before we get into the legislation itself. So fair tax is in the public arena. Uh, it is legislation that is in the House of Representatives and soon again to be in the Senate. Uh, it's been introduced into both houses for the past 20 years or so. Uh, last uh, House of Representatives. Last session, we had 70 co-sponsors in the House and seven in the Senate. We're all volunteers. Uh, It's in the public arena. Anybody could find out about H.R. 25, the Fair Tax Act of 2019, and promote. uh, Americans for Fair Taxation, though, is the lead organization, if you will, with the sole guiding uh, mission, mission statement to pass the fair tax, or more broadly speaking, let's say, true fundamental tax reform in the form of a national retail sales tax as best expressed by the fair tax?
1: Okay. H.R. 25, I'm going to have to look that up.
2: Stands for House Resolution, correct.
1: Right. Um, So the proposal for... H.R. 25, is to eliminate income tax in its entirety, both corporate and personal, and replace it with a national sales tax.
2: Correct. We also call for the repealing of the 16th Amendment.
1: Love that idea.
2: Now, w- w- how that's going to work is that that's going to be in separate legislation, uh, but the characteristic which written into the fair tax is that if the 16th Amendment is not repealed within X number of years I believe it's currently written as as seven it could be less uh, then the fair tax is also eliminated. So we don't want to have a situation where we pass the fair tax and then seven you know a few years down the line 16th amendment is not repealed and then all of a sudden the politicians are salivating once again and now they're implementing uh, an inca- an income tax in conjunction with. So we protect ourselves that way.
1: Right. We, do, we definitely don't want two taxes. Um, interesting things I found in, in my little bit of research that I've done into some of the work that you all are are, are doing. Uh, very valuable work, by the way. Thank you very much for doing this.
2: 24 years in the making. 1996, Peter, I started doing this. I, I thought. When I first read about it, I did my research, you know, I, I, I said, nah, this can't be, I'm speechless, right, the way I'm talking, uh, the same way I was 24 years ago, and I said, it can't be the case. And so I did my research, and after doing my research and reading what this is all about, I said, yes. And that's when I picked up the megaphone and told family and friends, and I haven't been able to stop since.
1: Well, it's great work. I um, several months ago, um, I, I did an episode of this podcast where I, I basically said that 1913 was was the beginning of the end for the American Constitution, um, and the 16th and 17th Amendments were were both called out as as terrible, terrible ideas, in my personal opinion, of course. Uh, so I'm all for repealing the 16th Amendment. Correct, and, and 1913
2: liked- also was the Federal Reserve Act. So Right as, the as one
1: reserve act.
2: As my pastor told me, it was the trifecta of 1913. Correct. That's when we took a hard left, uh, both politically speaking, if you will, and uh, direction, uh, where we imported this Russian idea of income taxes. It's the second guiding principle of the Communist Manifesto.
1: The playbook. Right. I, it is. It's one of the one of the uh, ten. Uh, enumerated steps to communist takeover.
2: Correct. So the Communist Manifesto, the playbook, the instructions on how to implement communism, and we, for some reason, imported that idea into the United States of America, which is a constitutional republic, or they call it a representative democracy, and it, it, they're on complete, complete. Uh, they're in conflict with each other. So we won't go into all the details of how that actually occurred, but we'll concentrate on the fair tax here, but just let it be known that the real Russian collusion took place in, let's say, early 1900.
1: I I would have to agree with you. Okay, so one of the questions that I have is uh, your organization is proposing uh, with lots and lots of study, I I think I heard you say at one point, uh, like $20 million worth of studies that a 23% sales tax would be necessary to replace the current income tax and estate tax and all the other taxes
2: yes correct now if you don't like the rate it's not our fault uh, it's because that's what government costs and that's one of the benefits of the fair tax in the sense that it makes it makes it makes our federal government more transparent so the primary Absolutely. the primary you know the, the principle of a tax system should be, or is, to collect taxes. That's it. And it should be done with the characteristics of simplicity, fairness, transparency, or the most simple, the most fair, the most transparent.
1: I I couldn't agree more. I've, I've said for a very long time, we should replace every form of tax and registration and fee with one set product, whether it's a sales tax or whatever, just one tax so that we can at least see how much of our money is going so, uh, let me, to, uh, to our government.
2: Yes, correct. So uh, just to take a step back to answer your question of uh, what you had originally uh, asked me is that fair tax is a sales tax structured in a particular way. So the fair tax is a single rate, progressive, National retail sales tax on new goods and services for personal use. We do not discriminate. It's put on everything. An exemption tax break is discrimination for one and against another.
1: Those Absolutely.
2: Are, we don't discriminate. It lands on, on everything that's new, new goods and services. Now, well, why aren't you taxing used goods? Well, because they've already been taxed. They were taxed when they were new. Why did they need to be taxed again? So yes, 23%. Once again, if you don't like the rate, that's the cost of government. It's revenue neutral. We're not getting into the conversation of where the money is spent. We're talking about how it's collected. So if you don't like the rate, call up your representative yell at your representative, yell at your, at your Senator and say, stop spending the money.
1: Oh, I do that already. Um, my, my question in that realm there though is, okay. So when I do my personal income taxes, it says that, you know, my, my income tax rate is 22% or something like that. But by the time you take out all the silly deductions and you get your actual taxable income you know the real rate ends up being around 10 percent. that's federal tax of course um so it looks like to me it would be a hard sell to john q public to say that hey your tax your income tax is going to go away you know your 10 percent income tax is going to go away but now we're going to put a 23 sales tax on that.
2: it's revenue new but- it's structured to be revenue neutral which which means that more or less you'll be paying the same amount of tax under currently, as you will be under the fair tax.
1: And how, and, and, and guess guess, that I've heard you say, guess
2: what? Okay. So this year it's 10%, maybe you're, you're making the case. And, but, but next year the politicians take away all of those tax breaks that they give you those discriminatory tax breaks. And instead of being 10%, it's now 18 or 25 or 32.
1: Oh, I, I understand. Um, but I heard you say, uh, uh, in a previous interview about, uh, how the sales tax makes more sense long-term in that you're only taxing the new goods and services and a huge portion of the cost of anything that we buy is the taxes and fees that the manufacturers have to pay
2: Listen, only,
1: in order to produce co- the
2: product. Listen, only consumers pay taxes. Okay. That's it. Only consumers pay taxes. So... Uh, that's an indisputable fact. Only consumers, individuals pay taxes. Okay? I' not a hu- So you have uh, Alan Greenspan here back in 2003 in the Joint Economic Committee hearing held on May 21st, 2003. He was interviewed by Representative Ryan of Wisconsin. And asked two long questions to which Mr. Greenspan responded, in I quote, Congressman, let me just repeat a cliche which happens to be true. Mainly, capital doesn't pay any taxes. Only people pay taxes. What happens is you impose taxes on organizations, which then deflect them elsewhere. But at the end of the day, all taxes are paid by people. So in your example where you were taxed, you were paying the taxes. So embedded in the cost of every good and service is the is are the cost of doing business, rent, insurance, salaries, et cetera, et cetera. Included in that is the attempt in complying with our federal income tax code. And let's also put in their state, state tax codes. But our our efforts are directed. At the federal level, albeit there are volunteers out there, including myself, which are uh, pushing for tax reform within our respective states, modeled on what we're doing at the federal level with a, with the Fair Tax H.R. 25. But we'll stick to the fact that at the national level, we're pushing for the Fair Tax H.R. 25.
1: Has the organization done any um, study, any I, I understand nobody has a crystal ball, but is there any way to attempt to predict the end result to the consumer, the, like the net end result to the consumer? Because I understand that my clothes and my sneakers and everything else is going to get cheaper because those companies don't have to pay all of their taxes and, Correct. Uh, and tax attorneys and all that kind of stuff. So the cost of
2: business decreases. Um, so even though we're implementing the fair tax on top of it, it's a, just use the example, instead of uh, currently you buy something for a dollar and then without all of the corporate income tax compliance, it goes down to, uh, to 85 cents or maybe 80 cents. So therefore, when you impose the 23% uh, tax, the fair tax rate, it goes back up to around a dollar. That's why we right. say, that's why we structure it to be revenue neutral. Once again, we're not in the game of where it's spent. Okay.
1: I completely understand. But look at
2: what you look uh, at what you gain out of that. No more uh, A you're fully compensated. You you retain the fruits of your labor. The individual is re empowered to decide when we decide when to tax.
1: And how much. And how
2: much. When we pay taxes. Okay, so we're re empowering the individual. We're also making it extremely simple for the federal government because they can't manage their own. They can't manage their own tax code as it is. They 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 don't understand it. Nobody understands the federal income tax code. It's completely incomprehensible. They it's unwieldy. It's unmanageable. So we're going to give the federal government a tax system that they can understand, and the public understands it. The business will understand it. It's a win-win-win situation for all involved.
1: Well, and for those that don't think that the, uh, the rich people pay their fair share of taxes, which may or may not be true because, um, let's, let's face it. They, they're the ones that have all of the loopholes where they can hide their, their, uh, incomes and, and find ways to not pay taxes on it. I think fair tax or a, a consumption tax, a sales tax is, is absolutely ideal, uh, because those rich people who spend high you know, premium dollar on premium products are going to pay a bigger share of the
2: tax. I don't get caught up in that conversation, man. What you earn, Peter, is your money. It's yours. That's all part of the class warfare that goes back to the Communist Manifesto, and that's why the, federal, the income tax is a wedge between you and I. I don't get caught up in, in who spends what, where. You want to buy used, you want to buy new, you want to buy this car, you want to buy that car. Uh, that's not, that's not our responsibility to be involved in, in somebody else's business. Do not covet thy neighbor. Right. So. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm not coveting. I'm just saying it could be part of your argument for when, when those say, well, how is, how about, you know, make the rich pay, which is what they all seem to want. This kind of does whether, I mean, unless they just become more frugal with their spending. Right. Right. Uh, I gave the example last week about, you know, Nancy Pelosi doing her ice cream video standing in front of her $24,000 refrigerators. Well, with a 23% tax, she would have paid an, an additional $5,000 in tax on those refrigerators, where my $300 refrigerator, I would have paid or $69 in tax.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you if you so, have the money, if you have right, the money and you want to right, spend... we have if, control. If, yeah, but, uh, you know, wherever you want to spend the money, whether you, you want to shop at... Uh, garage sales or you want to go into the new designer you know uh, refrigerator, then you could do that it's it's up to you. I, I don't get into other people's businesses. I don't enter into the class warfare dialogue conversation, the rhetoric that's the same type of rhetoric that allowed the income tax to pass in the first place back in 1913 or so and the and the arguments made prior. And the term that they used was soak the rich. And suppose what was it 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 only affected you know like three, four percent of the population. uh, and most people weren't affected. Therefore the overwhelming majority of of Americans were not affected. And therefore they said, no problem, but look, at what, look, at what had happened. I mean, in the early 60s, in right. the 1960s, the, the income tax system had become such a mess where the rich weren't paying anything. I think it was like 200 and 200 plus families, the richest families did not pay any income taxes. And so therefore, what did they do? Instead of making the income tax disappear or eliminate it, uh, they added something called the alternative minimum tax. So it, it runs concurrently, if you will, uh, in that it ensures that you're going to pay at least something. So we have two tax systems, if you will. At
1: least
2: yeah, and, and this is all part of the larger conversation, right, of, of punishing our labor. I, I don't, you know, somebody comes up and says, well, we're going to do a flat tax on income. No, we don't do that. Why are we going to punish individuals for working? We, we don't want a system that does that. We want a system that supports our labor, that respects our labor, re-empowers, if you will, the individual. Labor is an extension of us. It's our blood, sweat, and tears, our energy that's poured into this activity. It's part of our... So, hands off...
1: I I couldn't agree more. I mean, our money is should be our money. There's no reason for the government to get a portion of our our earnings before we even get it. That that's correct. Ridiculous. And even I I do think a I do think a flat tax would be improvement over what we have. That's now, what it was in 1913, still, and
2: that's what I'm trying to get everybody to realize up here. Yeah.
1: Is is it right? It'll start. It'll it won't stay a flat well, tax it,
2: for all. listen. Re, any tax can be morphed. Any program, and that's what basically happens. A program starts out with original intention of doing this, and then all of a sudden it blossoms and into and thrives into something else, and it goes beyond its original scope, and so.
1: That's the nature of government Correct. in general.
2: So what we need to always keep in mind is to always keep it simple, transparent, and fair, and we need to take it off of that activity that, that we tra- that we cherish. Our labor, I believe is our uh, most second valued uh, our, our most second valued activity here on earth, second only, let's say to praise to God, right It enables us to earn money, our, our labor. Uh, And then we could feed ourselves, we could shelter ourselves, and we could clothe ourselves, we could uh, assist our friends, family, community, church, synagogue, etc. So even even a flat tax on income is not a good idea, whether it's 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, take it off of our labor. We don't want it there. It's, it, listen. When the country started, we didn't have it. So from 1776 up through 1913, there were no income taxes, uh, and our country flourished. Unlike, unlike, right. unlike any other period in the United States or really history. So we need to. We I, need. I, we need to really, you know, not to settle and say, hey, yeah, let's just do a flat tax on income. No. Not a good idea. So I'm giving a shout to Mark Levin to listen to this because he's real wishy-washy on it. And he's yet to answer my question of why he supports the Communist Manifesto uh, with with the second guiding principle, which is to implement a progressive income tax system or an income tax system. Regardless if it's progressive or not, it's still robbing you and I of the fruits of our labor. So I like Mark Levin. I like what he's doing. I like what he's done. But on this particular issue, I just I can't get him to 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 make a a good decision. He accepts both as a solution, but I don't. It has to be a sales tax because it allows. I would accept
1: a flat tax as a as an improvement, but uh, sales tax would be a solution. I I I think sales tax is far better. Um, It it gives us we, the people, a little bit of control as to how much money we give our government. If we want to put all of our money in the bank and grow our own food, we don't have to pay a dime. And uh, if... I was going to say, and if we want to go out and spend all all of our paycheck every time we turn around, then they're going to get their cut.
2: Correct. You should receive the full amount of your fruits of your labor, hands down. I don't accept anything less than 100%.
1: There's one other thing... There's one other part of the program that I want to make sure that we have time to get to, and that's the rebates. One of the arguments against a sales tax is that it uh, punishes the the super poor Uh, because if you're taxing everything, and the super poor are super poor, so that that's that's uh, a burden for them that it may not be on the rest of us. And your program even has a solution. Yes, you're correct. Well,
2: first, under the current federal income tax system, uh, the poor are are the, the, um, they're being punished also because they're, when they purchase whatever it is that they purchase embedded in the cost of every good and service is the cost of compliance with our income tax code uh, and also payroll taxes, which are the most regressive list. You want to help the poor do it in a targeted, specific, accountable program. I don't believe that should be done at the federal level. It should be done in your local or possibly your county government, but you don't do it at the federal government, but re- you have to do it in a spending program, not in the tax code. Use the correct tool. And so, yeah, the fair, right. Yeah. The, tax so code the fair that, tax isn't regressive. In that say, the tax- you, were, you were talking about, it has a, what we call a prebate in it. So at the beginning of the month, depending on your household size, use the example of a uh, husband, wife with, with two, Uh, with two children, let's say, so four individuals in the household, they'll receive a rebate, uh, the poverty, it's the fair tax multiplied by what the poverty level is, and then divide that amount by 12. So for hypothetical purposes, let's say it's $30,000 is the poverty level. And uh, let's just say it's 20%. So 20% times 30,000, 6,000 divided by 12. And you have about five, what is it 500 bucks a month that they would receive in the beginning of the month, to essentially untax untax the basic necessities of life. And they don't have to hold on to any receipts and submit the receipts and then request the rebate or the money from the government. Uh, it would just be given to them automatically at the beginning of the month.
1: And would that be for everybody? Everybody.
2: We don't discriminate. Everybody. Line. We don't discriminate.
1: So everybody gets back the the poverty level the taxes on poverty level income so basically if you are at poverty level you are not paying taxes which is ideal
2: they're participating they are paying taxes because they're going out and they're they're part of the system if you will and they are contributing there we're all paying the tax you're just being afforded some money at the beginning of the month to assist in paying those taxes, I, I guess you could look at it that way, right. but we're basically untaxing right. the basic necessities of life because that's where our first dollars are spent uh, and by providing that rebate there or pre or prebate.
1: Yeah. And that's actually, you know, I, 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 said that completely incorrectly because one of what I think is the most beautiful portion of the fair tax program is the fact that it makes everybody a correct taxpayer. And, and everybody, whether they have legal income or not, uh, if if you are working under the table, you're a taxpayer. If you are a drug dealer, you're a taxpayer. If you are earning a wage, you're a taxpayer. Because- if you spend money... We're putting it on the
2: consumption, and the consumption is a more broader base, and what you're alluding to right now is tax evasion, and it's estimated, there's a study on our website called the Cebula Study, and it's estimated, I believe, it's like $9 trillion is supposed, it will be lost in tax evasion over the next decade or so, and so... Um, But I I know we're towards the end of our time here. I just wanted to just state here, if you don't mind, these these facts and principles, if you will, so anybody listening will understand clearly what this is all about. Do you mind? I appreciate it. No, not at all. Our tax replacement movement is directed at the federal government. We have legislation, like I said, H.R. 25, the fair tax. Our tax replacement movement is directed with how Our federal government collects its taxes, not where the taxes are spent. The fair tax replaces alternative minimum tax, the capital gains tax, corporate income taxes, estate taxes, gift taxes, payroll taxes, which are the Medicare and Social Security or payroll taxes. But the programs won't be affected as they will be funded by the fair tax. Let me repeat that the Medicare and Social Security programs won't be affected as they will be funded now by the fair tax. Also personal income taxes uh, and self-employment taxes, i.e. you'll never have to fill out that form again. 1040 goes away. Uh, No more quarterlies, no more 1040s. Uh, All that time and energy will be liberated and redirected to those activities that we deem important. As I stated before, the fair tax is a single rate Revenue neutral, progressive national retail sales tax only on new goods and services for personal use. A retail sales tax is not a VAT. Let me repeat that. A retail sales tax isn't a VAT. And then specifically, the fair tax isn't a VAT. Uh, I said this before, but I'll repeat it, that consumers are the only group which pay taxes because they're the last ones to receive the service of the product. Therefore, corporate income tax compliance is an expense of doing business and therefore is included in the final service being offered. And as I stated before, when I quoted Alan Greenspan, consumers pay all of the taxes. I've
1: this Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time, Adam. We are are really rushing up against the clock. I appreciate it. I love the group. How can people get involved? You've got about uh
2: fairtax.org. You go to our website on the homepage. There's a get updates form. Input
1: your information there. So that was Adam Yumtov. Go to fairtax.org to find out what fair tax is all about. I just learned that fair tax was even a thing uh about a week ago looked into it, reached out to Adam. Thank you very much for your time, Adam. That's all the time I have for tonight. So until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America.
0: Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64 My Rights. To leave comments for the show. That's 646 974 4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.